The heat is on as we discuss SWRI's fire testing services. In Burn Labs, our experts crank up the flames for critical research. Products, materials, and structures are exposed to heavy smoke and fire and evaluated in real time. How SWRI's fire testing makes our homes and our world safer. Next on this episode of Technology Today. We live with technology, science, engineering, and the results of innovative research every day. Now, let's understand it better. You're listening to the Technology Today podcast, presented by Southwest Research Institute. Transcripts and photos for this episode and all episodes are available at podcast.swri.org. Hello and welcome to Technology Today. I'm Lisa Benya. SWRI Fire Testing Services evaluate how a range of materials, products, and systems hold up to flames. A highlight for me not too long ago was seeing our fire testing team in action in one of our burn labs. Fire and billowing smoke quickly filled up the test area. It was fast. But what also stood out to me was that it was a very safe and controlled process. These types of tests are carried out to gather critical fire safety information. SWRI Director of Fire Technology, Dr. Matthew Blaze is here today to talk about our fire testing services. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Hi, Lisa, I'm glad to be here. So it was great to get that firsthand look at our fire test in progress not too long ago. As I mentioned, fire testing at SWRI is a very safe, controlled process. I described some of my experience, but there's really much more to it. How is fire testing conducted at SWRI and what special equipment and technology is used to carry out fire testing? Well, first, there's two basic types of fire tests, those that are done to standards, which are promulgated by uh, agencies that control the permitting of construction. And the other is research and development, which we do quite a bit of. Um, all of the tests we do are in laboratories that are designed actually to handle high energy release very rapidly. Uh, so the, the construction of the, the laboratory is designed to withstand very extreme conditions. But we're also able to measure the heat release, uh, how big the fire is, how much smoke it produces from these very, very extreme fires using various techniques like oxygen consumption calorimetry. What that really is, is measuring the concentrations of oxygen reduction, the addition of carbon monoxide, and the addition of carbon dioxide. And from that, we can actually calculate how much heat's released by a fire in a fire situation. Uh, that allows us to do very big fires up to 10 megawatts. I've seen those fires. I mean, they are big. You're not kidding about that. So what type of products, materials, structures, and systems are most commonly tested in our labs? We do from milligram scale tests up to complete construction systems. Uh, so we'll look at a material type in small amounts to find out what its heat content is or its propensity to burn. Then we'll look at an entire assemblies, wall assemblies, floor assemblies, or entire buildings and see what the hazard is to a structure using that type of material in the construction. So we'll do things like uh, bomb calorimetry to look at a 10 gram sample, or we'll do something like an ASTM E108, uh, which will look at a roof design, or we'll do an E119, which will look at everything from concrete block construction for walls, all the way up to poured concrete or just drywall. 
So we do the full range of, of testing for the larger systems. And when it comes to smaller things, are you also testing textiles, maybe clothing, carpets, things we, we might use every day? Yes, absolutely. We do a full range of tests for textiles, uh, the UL94 or the uh, any of the larger scale tests for fabrics to include things like coverings for couches, where we'll do the California TB117 test, which looks at the propensity of a material to burn uh, when it's in your house as a couch. Believe it or not, the couch in your home is probably the most risky item, as you saw in those tests that we did a couple of years ago. It has a tremendous amount of energy, and if it catches fire, uh, there's a great possibility you won't escape the house. So that's a scary thought. Yeah, so we all have these huge items in our house that, uh, if not properly tested, could be a hazard. And so that's what your team is there for, looking at these items and, and uh, letting us know more about uh, their safety. So with each test, what are you trying to learn? What type of information are you gathering? Uh, the first thing is how hard is something to ignite? How much energy does it require to get it to burn? And then if it does burn, because a lot of things don't, um, how much energy does it release over time and how hazardous that will be in a home or an industrial setting? Um, we look at everything from uh, baby carriage to car seats to entire vehicles, gas tanks, wall construction, anything you can think of that might be a hazard in fire, we look at. Uh, we even look at uh, sprinkler systems and their ability to put out fires, uh, whether or not it's big enough and powerful enough to stop a larger fire. We do just about everything you can think of related to fire, not just to U.S. standards, but to the international standards as well. So uh, we do testing for countries all over the world. That's an interesting note there about the sprinkler systems, because when I think of your fire testing services, I think of uh, you know, testing, as we talked about, materials and products to see how quickly they'll burn. But on the flip side of that is the safety of putting out fires. So that's, that's a, the other side. Um, so who is seeking out our fire testing services at SWRI? Anybody who wants to bring a new material to market or wants to build a large building. One of the big pushes in the last several years is to build medium rise buildings up to 15 stories in height, completely wood, no steel members in them at all. And obviously that's a scary process. If you're on the 15th floor and you're in a wood building, what happens if there's a fire in a lower level compartment? Are you gonna be trapped at the top? And will the building collapse quickly? Those are the kinds of things we'll look at in those types of construction. Uh, but it's been a very, very big environmental push because what's better than carbon capture uh, than wood itself, because that's trapping CO2 out of the air. So everybody wants to go to these environmentally friendly buildings, and they have some other advantages as well. For example, seismic, uh, wood flexes, concrete and steel don't flex as well. So uh, buildings that are 15 stories high built in an earthquake zone may be better seismically. So there's all these things going on in construction, and our job is to see if they're fire safe. So, you know, you just said your job is to make sure that they are fire safe, but um, is there a beyond that or is that pretty much the gist of, you know, why is this type of information so valuable for clients? Well, um, really, it's about not building something that's going to get you sued. 
So <laughs> companies want to make sure that what they're building is safe. And if they can comply with the construction codes and pass the fire tests, they're more likely to get the designs that they're proposing accepted, uh, making it easier to get them built. And, and then obviously it's a huge market impact. So we, we look at all kinds of things, not just construction. We look at um, a lot of consumer electronics products. We have a couple of recent research projects where we've looked at large flat panel televisions and whether they'll spontaneously ignite from electrical shorts inside or if somebody puts an external ignition source there, like a candle adjacent to the television, whether that will cause a large fire. We look at a full range of consumer electronics, um, furniture, we look at just about everything that you come in contact with every day and whether or not it's a fire risk. Yeah. So I said, you know, why is this type of information valuable for clients? But really, it's valuable for all of us consumers buying items for our homes. And as I said at the top, um, you know, the fire testing is making not only our home safer, but our world safer. So um, really valuable information coming out of your burn labs. Um, any recently added services or new developments in fire testing um, that we could discuss today? Um, there's a couple of things we're working on right now. Battery safety is a big part of that. Um, we're going more and more to systems that require large battery storage. Uh, when these things fail, it's very exciting. Uh, they almost explode in fire. So it's really, really important that we design them in such a way that we can control the energy release. And, and that's a lot of what we've done. We've worked with all the main manufacturers of automobiles, looking at their battery systems, as well as um, large batteries used for home storage. So um, uh, we're working closely with other divisions that look at energy storage and try to come up with uh, safe ways of doing that so that you don't end up burning your home down because you've got battery storage. It seems that there is not an industry that would not benefit from fire testing. We work with pretty much everybody. Um, I think our most exciting tests to watch are called the jet fire test. Uh, they're a 30 megawatt fire, um, and it sounds like a roaring jet engine when it's fired. It's a big propane gas jet fire, but it's designed to test materials for offshore oil rigs. And you're looking at two things, critical infrastructure, the firefighting equipment. You don't wanna lose that during that type of fire, obviously. And the other one is shelter in place where the crews not fighting the fire can go and get away from the fire and be safe. So we'll test those against extremely high energy fires to find out how well they work. So the results of our fire testing um, gives us a, a glimpse of how safe a product or material is. But in the fire lab itself, in our burn lab, safety is a major priority. Obviously, if you are starting these huge fires, um, you have to have that, those safety measures in place. So, so can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? What safety measures are in place in our burn labs? Well, all my personnel are trained to deal with the environments they're working in. And we monitor both the atmosphere uh, for toxic gases as well as the heat environment. So it's a function of planning for safety that's very important. So is there a wondering if there's a particular product or equipment that is in common use that our listeners might be familiar with that has passed through SWRI for fire testing? Um, is that something you can disclose? Every gas tank on every vehicle made has passed through our laboratory. 
and we test them against extremely high flames. Uh, for example, we use pool fires that completely engulf the fuel tank, which is half full of fuel, uh, and for a direct flame exposure of one minute, then we bring dispersing bricks over the top of that so it's just a heat exposure, not flame, for another couple of minutes. And at the end of that test, the tank can't have developed a leak uh, and can't have a, a sustained fire. So all the stuff you see on TV and in the movies of a vehicle going off a cliff and erupting in flames, that doesn't happen. Uh, they, they just are very, very safe design. But we test all of the fuel tanks. For all really, every that every gas tank of every car, uh, every design. We work, yeah. we work every design. We work with every manufacturer. Yep. On that. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, we're probably one of the. We actually probably are the largest fuel tank tester in the world. And that is an SWRI fun fact. Thank you. I didn't know that. Um, so during the pandemic, your team adopted a new way of including your clients in the fire testing process because before they would just go to your labs and hang out and watch the whole thing unfold. But uh, with the pandemic came uh, different needs. And so how did you include your clients in the fire testing process Actually, during the pandemic? my deputy came up with the best method. We got a, a series of tablets with cameras built into them. So we could talk directly to clients during the testing and then using the tablets over the internet, show them what was happening with their test as it's happening. So they could express interest in something that they wanted to specifically see. So we could focus on that and they would see what was happening during the actual test. And it was extremely effective. Uh, some of our clients have continued to use that service instead of traveling it's so much safer, so much cleaner, so much easier, and saves them money, no travel expenses. And they can see whatever they want to as part of the test, the setup before, as well as the actual test execution. So with that, you did not skip a beat, and fire testing went virtual, just like everything else in the world seems to have at this point. Um, yeah. And so that's a service that's going to stick around then. Yeah, I would say the only thing uh, not virtual about the actual test execution we got to be here to burn yeah. things. We can burn them at home, so they, <laughs> no they won't let do, us do that. That's yeah, right. no way to do that from home, but I'm sure that's been much appreciated. Um, have there been any other pandemic-related changes in, in your processes? Right, right now, the biggest pandemic effect is delay in shipping. Oh, yes. Getting materials here to test, it's brutal. It, uh, it is definitely affecting our, our scheduling because we'll have expected ship dates and arrival dates, and it's just not happening the way we expect, which really messes with our schedule pretty big, and um, we're adapting to that continuously. Yeah, um, no doubt that could affect, that's affecting all of us in one way or another. Um, yeah, the, the other thing would be Omicron. We just had a lot of people out all at one time because it was so contagious, but they're all back, and they're all feeling fine. So it, it's not a terrible thing, but it did yeah. affect our schedule. So great. Everyone's back and feeling better. And hopefully once this wave passes, we'll be uh, right back to where we started. Yeah, um, hopefully. Yeah. So wanted to go to the next question. And I know, how many years have you been doing this? This 15. Week? 15 years. So yeah. over the last 15 years, what have been some of your most memorable findings as a result of, of your testing processes? I don't know if you ever saw the work we did on the recreation of the Hindenburg. Did you ever see Gosh, that? I, I have not. We'll have to add that to the webpage if we yeah. have a picture. 
the yeah. Discovery Channel hired us to build models and recreate the burn pattern of the Hindenburg to try and actually determine what caused the accident. So we did a series of lab scale tests, smaller tests, uh, looking at various theories. And then we did three full scale tests looking at different initiations. And we were able to actually recreate the crash pattern identical, just exactly like in the, the um, 1938, uh, uh, oh, the humanity, film script, you know, that, that one. So we actually got to recreate it very, very precisely and we figured out what caused it. Wow. Um, so what, what was the purpose? Why did they want to know, you know, all these years later, what were they looking for? Well, it was part of a thing they call the curiosity series. And it was really just about the Hindenburg. You tie that with the fact that hydrogen is coming back strong as an industry, uh, for doing all kinds of things. Uh, the uh, supplies of helium worldwide, which is a much safer gas to handle, are dwindling. So as a result, they're looking at lift capabilities using hydrogen. Uh, and that's, it's going to happen. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we've been hired by a couple of research firms looking at hydrogen aerostats, uh, which are balloon systems with lift uh, that, that use hydrogen as a lift. And it has slightly more lift than helium does. So are you finding some of your work with the Hindenburg project um, coming in handy with current hydrogen-related work? They were both tied together. We did some hydrogen work for NIST early on, looking at hydrogen-powered vehicles like cars in a garage and what would happen if they leaked hydrogen uh, and what would be the impact on the house. Uh, and depending upon the way we did it and, and the paper that we wrote on it, we were able to completely destroy the house that stored the vehicle as well as the four houses around it. So um, hydrogen storage in a garage, if yeah. not done properly, can be pretty bad. <sighs> pretty catastrophic. And so we did it here on campus. Okay. That was my uh, so... first meeting with Walt Downing. <laughs> Walt is in our executive management for our listeners. Um, so you had a... Um, so you built these these rooms and then essentially destroyed them for the fire test? We actually built um, several concrete block garages with floating roofs, and we released controlled amounts of hydrogen into the room and then ignited it. And we did it uh, about 32 times and looked up to 28% uh, hydrogen in the room. And we got to 28% hydrogen, the room rapidly disassembled, oh. let's put it that way. Um, the, the roof was launched over 200 feet in the air. And um, that's, uh, there were a whole bunch of people on the ball field up above where the explosives range is. And all the senior management come rushing down to see if we were all okay. But we were in an armored vehicle and yeah. we were fine. It was, it was actually a lot of fun. But, so, yeah, this is your job. <laughs> you just blow things up. <laughs> yeah, I, I have definitely one of the better jobs. Yeah, <laughs> It is definitely a sight to see. So well, we, have, we have too much fun doing it, but we're also extremely careful, and that's why people come to us. We don't hurt people in these processes. You know, we, we take the precautions, we're safe, and we, get, we gather the information that we're looking for. Yeah, you get some great information. Well, you certainly answered that question. I would say those are some memorable findings there. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I have to ask, how does your fire safety knowledge spill over into your everyday life? I mean, do you 
only stay in certain hotels with certain mattresses, you prefer certain types of clothing. Um, I would imagine that your day-to-day work informs some of your life decisions. Well, I would say that the most important one would be, like I said, the couch that you buy. Get a really good leather couch. Leather is inherently fire resistant. Oh, we have one. Good to know. There we go. <laughs> and the other thing is to look at the labels on things. There's a big uh, campaign against fire retardants in the United States uh, because some of the chemicals are slightly hazardous. But um, the benefits they add are incredible. We've shown that under the same fire conditions, some things won't burn at all if they're fire retardant. Whereas uh, the non-fire retardant, those are the scary ones that you see that erupt into flames very quickly and you're not likely to escape. And fire deaths are a large source of death in the United States. Uh, Fire deaths among the elderly are higher than uh, any other group except for infants. So um, it really does affect our older populations and their ability to escape a building. So fire safety is a very rewarding area uh, as far as research is concerned. Because you know you're actually uh, protecting people, and that's the, the goal. Yeah, so what are we looking for on these tags for just that they have been um, treated with a fire retardant? Or tested to certain standards. That's really what you're looking for. You want to make sure they meet fire standards. That, okay. That's the, the most important part. UL94 is a common test for consumer electronics. You want a UL94 V1 rating if you can get it, and that will be on the label. Um, those are the kinds of things you want to look. And if you want to know more about it, um, there's lots and lots of publications that cover fire testing, uh, and you can always call us. That's what we're here for. So do you walk into a restaurant or store and kind of see issues or maybe on the flip side of that you see that they're doing something really well do these things just jump out at you when you walk into a place absolutely uh, restaurants you'll see that they're all sprinklered that's a really important thing to have the the right sprinkler system in there to suppress any fire and the kitchen obviously is the biggest source of fire in a restaurant uh, nightclubs anytime you go out in the evening don't go into a place that's really shoddy if it doesn't have good fire protection, it's a real fire risk. So you gotta gotta be aware of what's around you and what precautions are being taken. Yeah. So you you might walk into a place and just look around to look at the sprinkler system, and is that something you do? <laughs> it's almost second nature. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure with the work you do. Um, okay, so that was those are some great tips, great advice. Um, I did want to talk about your background a little bit. So you are a trained chemist and. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how your background in chemistry ties into your fire testing uh, career? Well, I have my doctorate in organic chemistry. So most of the things that are around you that do burn are organic molecules. Uh, and specifically, I've looked at a lot of uh, the issues related with the toxicity of smoke uh, generated from the, the burning of organic materials. Um, and as a result, uh, I'm one of the leading experts in toxic smoke generation. Uh, so it's really fit in very, very well. Add to that with the, the knowledge of organic fire retardants and how they work, chemistry ties in extremely well with fire. It, uh, it's just natural. Plus, my expertise uh, was really generated in the military where I was an explosives expert. So I, I'm used to very fast fires, we'll say. 
So our fire testing labs are in good hands with you. You um, have a lot of background and experience um, with dealing with all kinds of explosives, as you mentioned. That and the, the safety aspects of highly hazardous operations, though that, that really is a big part of what, what I bring to the pictures. I know how to be safe in these environments. Yeah. So what do you enjoy about this area of research? You touched on it a little bit, but if um, you can tell us a little bit more about what you like about your area of research. Honestly, my favorite thing is the young engineers I work with and teaching them how to be safe in these environments. So you can do just about anything that you dream up and be safe about it and not get hurt. That and the, the ability to, at, at the Institute, patent ideas and come up with new things. A lot of my work is related to the military and coming up with ways of dealing with uh, chemical weapon IEDs on the battlefield. And I have th uh, two patents in that area and one pending. So that's just a lot of fun, that work. And that's directly beneficial for soldiers, which that's good for me. I'm a former soldier. I kind of feel good about that. Yeah, there, I mean, there really is a lot to feel good about in what you're doing. And as you mentioned, just the overall uh, safety aspect, the protection, um, you know, just for everyday people yeah. really benefiting from your work. So um, and that's really the mission of the Institute. If you think about it, we, we try to better society. And yeah. That's the goal. Research and development for humanity, and that is exactly what you're doing. So what would you like our listeners to remember about SWRI's fire testing services? What is the big takeaway today? That everything you touch, everything that's sold, has probably been through a fire test. And that uh, fire testing is critical to ensure that lots of people aren't killed in large fires, especially in apartment complexes, which are high density occupancy. And the fires that we do see that result uh, in large deaths are generally in older buildings uh, that don't have adequate protection. So keep an eye on your surroundings. Make sure that you're living in an area where you do have those protections, because if you value your families, you wanna make sure they're safe. All right, great advice. I mean, that we can really apply starting today. So. Uh, what a great discussion today. Really important insight on fire safety. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. My pleasure, Lisa. I hope you have a great day. And thank you to our listeners for learning along with us today. You can hear all of our Technology Today episodes and see photos and complete transcripts at podcast.swri.org. Remember to share our podcast and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Want to see what else we're up to? Connect with Southwest Research Institute on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Check out the Technology Today magazine at technologytoday.swri.org. And now is a great time to become an SWRI problem solver. Visit our career page at swri.jobs. Ian McKinney and Brian Ortiz are the podcast audio engineers and editors. I am producer and host Lisa Pena. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.